Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Megan, and welcome to Genealogy Explorer, where we dive into the family history of listeners just like you. Today, we have Daniel Loftus here. He is a genealogist on TikTok, and he has got a project that is very interesting, especially for our listeners who are interested in genealogy and solving some mysteries out there. So I would, first of all, love to introduce Daniel to you all. How are you doing today, Daniel? I'm doing fine. I mean, as good as I can be as a college student and every other bit. I feel that. (laughs) It is, it is rough out there for college students. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners here? Yeah, sure. So hello, I'm Daniel Loftus. I am a, a hobbyist genealogist, I like to call myself. Um, I've been doing genealogy for five years now, and I've kind of been out in the genealogy community itself for only three, but I've been learning uh, different bits of genealogy every step along the way. So yeah, I'm slowly picking up more knowledge as I go. And uh, I am a co-founder of Hidden Branch, which is a group for young people who are interested in genealogy to connect. And we are hopefully getting up and running soon by the time this goes out, hopefully. And I am the creator of Project Infant. Awesome. So what initially got you interested in genealogy just from the beginning? Uh, from the beginning, it would have been after a wake, actually. I was coming home from uh, a wake up in, I've forgotten the place. Um, ended that bit out. I was coming home from a wake and I, it was a long car, car journey home. So kind of mm-hmm. uh, me being the very inquisitive person I was, I uh, started interrogating my parents about their family and any bits that they knew. Because uh, initially I didn't really know much. I mean, kind of, I would know about stories that my parents would tell me about their parents. Um, because at the time I only had one grandparent still alive. So kind of, I only ever grew up around one and that was on my, that was my mother's father. And my dad's side had, uh, died before I could remember them mm-hmm. um, so it was just trying to fill in the gaps because I'd always kind of wonder you know who so like where did I come from so like what what's my background what's my history and um, that's kind of what started on uh, what I thought would be a very quick like you know maybe two week at the most uh, <laughs> project or something that two-week project has turned into at least a five-year one, but yep. it's still going. So it's always going to be ongoing. It never ends, but that's the beauty of it. Oh, yeah. Genealogy is just a never-ending journey because I went through something similar. I was, I, I visited my home country of England for the first time in 20 years. My listeners have heard this story a million times, so I'll cut them the details. But uh, I just was curious about where I came from and how I was related to every single person who was there at the family reunion. And I also thought it was going to be like a little, like, I didn't even think it was going to be a two week thing. I was going to do it overnight with my dad. Like we, we were supposed to go to a party and then we didn't go. And then we were like, let's build the family tree. Let's see what happens. And we just started doing it. I thought it was just going to be a one night thing. And I was like, yeah, we'll see what happens. And then I did it the next day and the next day we kept building and kept building and kept building. And then I've been doing it also for a few years now too. So it is a definitely a hobby that you will never get closure on. It will never, ever end. So yeah. I I, under, I understand that. I mean, if we had a TARDIS or something, you know, we could probably answer all the questions. But I mean, yes. I've yet to see anyone offer up one. So if you do have a TARDIS, please let me know. And, the amount uh, of, oh, the amount of times where I've been like, I really wish I had a time machine right now, just so I could just like shake down my great great grandfather and ask him questions <laughs> like I really like that is like the main thing I, I've thought that so many times while doing genealogy I'm like I just need one photo of this guy I could just go back in time and find this fo- find this photo like it drives it's like it's maddening oh totally I mean there was uh one photo I actually on my dad's side is probably where there's less a lesser amount of photos because mm-hmm. uh my background on my father's side is to like farmers and that and right. I wasn't expecting I, I suppose when I kind of started out I had very low expectations of kind of if I would find any photos of my ancestors but I was pleasantly surprised because lo and behold one of my dad's cousins pulls out a good old photo album 
treasure trove of items mm-hmm. and uh, said, you know, this is my grandmother. And I had to do a double take because this is the first I'd ever heard of any sort of photo even existing. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm looking at a photo of a woman in her 70s, kind of uh, so like standing against the wall, kind of with her hand on her hip, kind of standing against the wall in the windowsill. And I'm thinking, wow, OK, I was not expecting this. A week later, she comes back to me and she said, yeah, here's actually a photo of uh, uh, my grandmother and grandfather on their wedding day. Which I was not like oh I, I I actually no sorry initially I wasn't told it was on their wedding night and then someone said yeah oh yeah this is on their wedding night and this is this would have they would have been married March nineteen eleven so oh kind of gosh. it was and that's probably the oldest one I have on that side um, wow. <laughs> because every other ones probably would have been maybe in the fifties or sixties it was there really wasn't much photos going mm-hmm. on in right. my family at that time and. That's my dad's dad's side. So that's mm-hmm. my grandfather's parents there. Um, but my grandmother's parents, I don't have a photo of. I don't have any. And yet my great-grandparents on my granddad's side, he they died in 1957 and 1963. Mm-hmm. Yet my uh, grandmother's parents actually died in 1960. I should know this off by heart by now. <laughs> 1965 and 1970. So kind of, you know, they died a little later. Yeah. My dad can remember his uh, grandfather. And I'm thinking if someone could just like invent a machine that's just like attached to someone's head, you know, so like when uh, in the movie, so like, you know, when they have so like these machines that can sort of like, see people's memories and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. If I could just like take like a screen capture, like oh, a frame picture <laughs> of like, like that would be a perfect family tree photo. But uh, I've again yet to see anyone who's created that. But uh, yes. we know. <laughs> but I mean, no, I, I'm. I think with genealogy, I think it's it's a case of like you're learning about um, you because I think with. Uh, you know the history that you learn about in school is so like it's set to certain events mm-hmm. but you don't kind of there's some people might want to learn about themselves and their own history but yeah. obviously that's not going to be taught um uh in school because it's not going to be a case of well one week we're going to talk about john smith's ancestry and the next one <laughs> we're going to talk about mary sullivan's ancestry i mean we, <laughs> c- we could hope but kind of that'd be a fun uh, class but <laughs> yeah but i i think with um I think with genealogy, it it gives you that kind of, wow, this is my ancestry and this is, you know, where I come from. And I think that's my favorite thing about the hobby overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely places like the people who came before you in history, like you can place Mm -hmm. them with like all the things you learned about. Like whenever I had a photo of my great grandparents wedding in the 40s. Uh, they, it was like during wartime and I was able to place them like in the wartime, like at that, at that moment. But I also knew at that same time where they, when there was a war going on, they were also getting married. So it's, and having that photo captured, like it's, it's crazy. Like you can just place your ancestors within the history that you've learned your whole life. I think it's, it connects you and it makes, it humanizes these historical events because you have ancestors that live through them. Like I, I also, I I agree. I think it's very like humanizing and it connects people to history whenever, you know, people learn about history and they go, what does this have to do with me? Who cares? Like, why do I care about the civil war? Why do I care about, you know, cause I'm, I'm obviously, uh, I lived in, I live in America, so I've been learning American history. So I don't know much about Irish history, but I know like people learn things over here and they're like, what does it have to do with me? But then they do some digging and then they realize, oh, I actually had an ancestor who fought in that war. And if it wasn't for them, there would be no me. So people have a very like, not a selfish view, but like they want to connect themselves to history. And I think genealogy really does that well. So I agree with you. Yeah. And actually, kind of one thing that I just realized was that one one of my, uh, this would have been on my mother's side, but my great-grandfather was actually a, a commander in the the old Irish Republican Army of right. uh, in the 19, in the 1910s and oh early <laughs> 1920s, kind of fighting to get independence for Ireland. And, you know, kind of, it was amazing, the archive that the local museum had on him. As I, and I think 
with museums and those kind of repositories you kind of learn about so much because mm -hmm. it has info on the you know the local history there and without that I probably wouldn't have known much about that side you know I would have just said well so and so was born on this day he married on this day and he died on this day so yeah. so you know plain and plain and simple kind of uh because there are so many things that records will not tell you for instance and also stories that records won't tell you mm -hmm. so for instance you know uh my mom has uh letters that she used to correspond with his um with him about and kind of it was just nice because you got to see his handwriting and because i got to see his handwriting i got I was able to confirm that he was the one that signed his marriage register and not the registrar. So it was right. kind of because he had this very kind of very not so much cursive, but kind of very ornate writing. Mm -hmm. So kind of you were able to tell, yeah, that's him. <laughs> because when I was uh, helping, uh, I was doing research with my mom, and she had kind of seen um, uh, when we had first stumbled across it. She said, "That's my grandfather's handwriting." <laughs> you know, she instantly knew it, and it mm -hmm. was just kind of—it's that little thing. Because then you kind of, and obviously, stories are the best. Kind of, I—I I think it doesn't matter how crazy or how what some may consider boring yeah. they are, because you know that kind of it's stories of the time that have been passed down and kind of that are told. Yeah, and. Yeah, I I think it's just nice, kind of how it can all fit together, just using different sources. Yeah, it is. I remember I would, um, before my great-grandmother passed away this year, I would always call her and ask, I just ask her so many questions. I'm like, tell me about your grandparents. Those are, those are my great, great, like whatever grandparents, like I want to, I want to know about them. And I actually taught her some things because she didn't even know the name of her grandparents, because back in those days, you just called them nana or granddad or whatever oh, yeah. you, you didn't know your grandparents names back in the 30s and 40s but uh i taught i showed her like her parent her grandparents names and then she would tell me stories about them and it was you know a great like relationship we had and i have yeah. the same kind of relationship with my um <clears throat> my great great auntie who is my other great grandmother's sister who i got to see in cheltenham over over the summer and she would tell me that she was at my great grandmother's wedding and she told me all the stories well, cause she was little, she was like seven and she was there at that wedding. And she told me so many stories about their wedding night and like, cause they were, they just all slept in the same house. So there wasn't like a big fanfare for wedding night. They didn't like go off and have a honeymoon or anything like that. They were just all in the same house. So it was nothing crazy, but she was telling me that. And I was like, I wouldn't, I would never have known that if you hadn't have told me like, because some stories just die with people. And the only way you can keep them living is by telling other people. Mm. So yeah, no, I I, I agree because I, I I am jealous. I will say, <laughs> like the fact that you got that many stories, kind of, oh, I am so jealous. But uh... <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just lucky. I have a, a young family. Like my 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 mom's like in her 40s. My grandmother's in her 60s. Like my great grandmother was in her 80s when she passed. So I have a very youngish family. So I'm yeah. able to like like talk to people who are like generations above me. So I know some people like on my dad's side, I'm not so lucky because that's all my mom's side on my dad's side. I'm not so lucky because his, my great, great, my great grandparents on my dad's side, they were born in the 1800s. Like, yeah, they were, it's a very old family, like wow. on that side, like my great grandparents yeah. on the other side, on my mom's side were born in the thirties. And then my great grandparents on my dad's side are like 40 years older than older than them. So I obviously can't talk to them. And my grandparents are like on that side of passed away at this point, like back in the nineties. So it depends on how old your family is, honestly, and how mm. old the generations are, because, you know, some, sometimes you get nothing, sometimes you get everything. So yeah. it's, it's very, uh, it's a unique, have, a unique situation to be in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have been waiting for someone to tell me, you know, uh, have you tried a seance, you know, when it comes to stuff like, you know, uh, oh, I really wish I could talk to so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm still waiting for someone to just like come in with a comedic punchline and just say, you know, oh, well, have you tried a seance? Next best thing and... compared to time travel, right? Just talk to the dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh I mean it's good as anything at this point, but yeah. Better than nothing, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, so I would love to get into your uh, the project that you've been working on, uh, the project called uh, Project Infant, obviously. Uh, can you tell us what that's all about and what are your goals for it? 
So it was back in July this year, and I had just gotten off interviewing genealogist Megan Smolignac uh, for an interview series that I did on my YouTube channel, which I have stopped inadvertently. So, <laughs> um, and one of the questions I tend to ask the people I interview is, you know, what does genealogy mean to you? And Megan's answer was short and concise, but poignant and to the point. And her and what she replied with was um, to give a voice to the forgotten. And I don't know how, but immediately after hearing that sentence, my mind just went thinking, you know, oh, I'd really love to do it because I wanted to do some sort of project. I'd wanted to do a project anyway, but mm -hmm. kind of I was really looking for ideas and kind of I'd asked for suggestions and kind of none of them were really kind of poking out. And uh, when she said forgotten, it made me think about a period of time in Irish history uh, where, you know, um, the idea of a woman having a child outside of marriage was a sin. Mm -hmm. And it was a case of how often it was a case of the stories wanted to be brushed under the carpet and then mm -hmm. the fact that these births and uh, events had even taken place um, had even occurred. Um, so I think a lot of my motivation for that was kind of just that one sentence just from Megan just kind of sparked the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it was its official... Um, anniversary project infant is july 16th and the interview i believe was july 14th mm -hmm. so a couple of days later um you know i was thinking about you know oh how could i work this out you know could i do this could i do that and just trying to think what i realistically could do mm -hmm. and i was thinking because you know the idea of modern baby homes had been covered so much in you know the irish media um, I was thinking, surely there's going to be something that is sort of like a database or some sort of like memorial to these infants and mothers who died in the modern baby homes. And I did a extent an extensive Google search, and I could not turn up anything. Yeah, and that I decided that's what I'm going to do because it ties in with genealogy with the info I can get, mm -hmm. and also it's kind of it, it almost felt a bit insulting because you know. You hear the scandals of uh, infants dying uh, in modern baby homes under rather um, poor conditions mm -hmm. and also other allegations. Well, and... for just just to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but for our listeners who aren't familiar, could you explain what a mother and baby home is? Because uh, I yeah. know, yeah, I outside have... of Ireland, it might not be known. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's perfectly fine. When the Anglo-Irish Treaty was signed in December uh, 1921 early December and the border guardians that administered relief through the form of workhouses at the time had collapsed so they the state had established a new institution um uh suited for not my words quote broken women um to who fell pregnant outside of marriage um to go and have their baby and to repent for the sin that they had committed. And it was hard reading about kind of accounts from people who, would, who were survivors of this and kind of what people had to endure. Uh, because it it is like reading. It is rather heavy, rather emotional and rather sobering at that. Yeah. Because um, there have been allegations of abuse in these homes and also the thing that really set it off was when Catherine Corliss had done research into the home that was near her um this one was tuned which closed in 1961 and this home in particular uh had garnered uh national and even some international news attention because in the burial registers for surround uh, for surrounding graveyards around this modern baby home, they couldn't find seven hundred and ninety six deaths 
uh, mm-hmm. or sorry, excuse me, 796 burials of infants who had died in that home. And there there wasn't really any indication uh, as to where they could be until they dis- until she discovered that there's reason to believe that they these infants were buried in a disused septic tank. Jeez. Um, and it's a case of that's what really set it off because it's a case of these babies hadn't even been given the dignity of a proper burial. They had been uh, treated like waste almost. They thought, well, the only appropriate place for you is to be buried in anywhere except consecrated ground. That's why they weren't buried in cemeteries. Um, because of the whole, they, and you know, sit outside of marriage and that sort of thing. Um, but these homes had operated uh, throughout um, the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. The last one actually closed in 2006. That's really recent compared to like, yeah, yeah that's crazy. 2006. That's so that, that, that was the last kind of mother baby <clears throat> home that was established that had closed. Mm-hmm. And kind of, I thought I was alive while that was still operating. You know, I I was born in the early two thousand, so kind of you know, I I I still, um, the fact that you know this had even happened was really annoying to me, uh, but not just because of the fact that you know these were given a very very poor burial, but also the fact that there was no publicly accessible database for family to even find them mm-hmm. because you know one thing i've said with genealogy is you always hear stories whether they are officially confirmed or rumors mm-hmm. curiosity might get the better of you and for some people uh they might want to see if you know they had a relative that died in one of these homes and that's it that's project infant's main goal it's to try and uh, create a, a database of every infant and mother who had died in these modern baby homes, because they at least deserve to be known, to have their names mm-hmm. known, and and for people to know their names and to remember them. Because, you know, um, for example, and I had seen it through... Uh, I know, I know I'd seen it in the movie Philomena, which I'd watched recently, mm-hmm. but kind of, I believe it had been confirmed that um, there was a mother as young as 14 that had died in a modern baby home. Jeez, that's rough. It's awful. Yeah, it was. And th- that that's one example of kind of sto- horror stories almost that you hear like people might say, oh well, this is surely concocted. I assure you, it is not, because mm-hmm. um, the testimony that you hear from survivors um, and any other kind of any other survivors of modern baby homes or any of these institutions is mm-hmm. harrowing, because yeah. you know, um, for instance, uh, the one home that I have a connection to is Best Brown. Mm-hmm. And that uh, family member of mine was born in Bespra. Right. Uh, they survived. Uh, so I've always said, you know, while you were lucky, you know, there were plenty of others who weren't. And that was the hardest part for me, thinking, you know, there were so many infants that had died there. Mm-hmm. And it was just so, I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that there wasn't really much a sense of memorialization given to these infants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have shrines and um, things made and built for these. Uh, like yeah, on the site of the septic tank in Tune, there is a shrine to mm-hmm. commemorate the 796 um, lives who were lost. And there was a vigil actually held, I think, about two weeks ago by a group called the Little Lights of Love. Mm-hmm. Um and they had 796 volunteers, one for each infant, holding a candle to signify, to symbolize each life that was lost and that hasn't been found. 
um, wow. and that died in that home. So it's very poignant. And for instance, the memorialization, as far as that goes, you know, you have the odd kind of uh, thing, you know, as I said, you have the one in Shum, you have one in Kilrush in County Clare, and you have uh, two homes in Dublin, uh, Miss Carr's Flatlets, and you had the other one, um, the Bethany House. Mm-hmm. So you know, those two, which have, and I'm glad, because this is what all homes should have, um, they have a headstone of um, the names of the infants who died there. Um, you know, that people can pay their respects to, they can go to the headstone. And it's something physical. Yeah. And there are so many uh, people campaigning for something to be done because it's it's thought to be there to be a similar situation with Bespra because unlike Toom, where where they might have been born or sorry, where they might have been buried in a disease septic tank, there was a or there was an ordnance survey map done, I think, in the late forties, early fifties, um, of Bespra. And there is a section that is clearly labeled children's burial ground and like it like people were thinking oh my god like that where are they because yeah uh, again research was conducted to try and find the um infants of vespera and there were so many that they couldn't find i think there were over 850 that they couldn't find for vespera right. so it is <clears throat> it is very it's infuriating to be honest to kind of hear that because there's so much that has yet to be uncovered so much and it's frustrating to see that the only reason these infants names uh are being uncovered is because of independent research whether it's mine whether it's others who have researched these homes because the um the names of the tomb uh babies are publicly accessible as well as the Vesper names. So like that was conducted before I had even started Project Infants. So those two are accessible, but there's so many other homes around Ireland that have not been documented yet, um, that aren't public publicly accessible. So I suppose that's my aim. That's my goal. Um, so what is your process uh, for identifying these mothers and infants through your project? Okay, so for this, it actually takes a bit of research beforehand before I actually start. For for instance, I need to try and see, you know, were there any names or of buildings? And what I mean by this is, you know, was there a hospital there? How many, what name, what ways were the names of the home spelled? For example, Bespera usually spelled B-E-S-S-B-O-R-O-U-G-H has also been spelled B-E-S-S-B-O-R-O. So kind of, I have to kind of look at each kind of potential uh, name that it could have gone by and make a note of it. So that if I'm researching, I can easily just see on my list, you know, is this a name that I have for uh, this home? And if it is, I obviously make a note of it. Um, for instance, uh, Temple Hill, the one I just recently did, um, it went by, you know, Temple Hill Home, Temple Hill Hospital, and it also went by St. Patrick's Infant Hospital. That was, an, yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's, that, that's crazy, because, like, that's such a different name. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean. I have to kind of look through kind of different, uh, like, any potential uh, names that it could have gone by uh, before I even start. And because Ireland is great in the way that it's made its records available through the form of irishgenealogy.ie, which is publicly as- accessible to anyone, you know, it was nice to be able to kind of uh, just research all of these infants through uh, this site, because if I didn't, I would have been up the creek without a paddle. Um, because if it wasn't for this, you know, it would, it would have just been a case of me thinking, okay, I can't even do this. And then I probably wouldn't have even started. So kind of uh, IrishGenealogy.ie has been instrumental in making this work. So uh, it's usually looking at the death registers. And because the filtering options aren't very great, mm-hmm. it usually means I have to go through 
looking at probably hundreds of return or hundreds of records. Um, uh, and depending on the district, like if it's in Dublin, oh my God, there are going to be hundreds of them. Right. But if it's in a fairly rural one, like um, you had Glen and Maddie um, out in County Galway, we had Kilrush out in County Clare, you know, it's not going to be as many. Uh, and obviously it's due to the whatever filtering I put in place, I might do a year at a time, or if there's not many, I like for Kilrush, there might have been like 50 per year, so 50 deaths of zero-year-olds per year. Right. So I might have done uh, 1930, uh, 1925 and 1926 at, mm-hmm. at once to just sort of kill two birds with one stone so I don't have to kind of do another search later. Right. But <clears throat> then once I find an entry, I uh, copy in the info, so I tend to copy the name, the age, whether that's uh, years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, or even seconds. Because um, the youngest infant that I found was a young boy who died in Kulrush at the age of five seconds. He lived just long enough to be uh, registered. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's awful. Yeah. So be, seeing that, um, you know, I've added that. Uh, that infant is the reason I've added that column to all my spreadsheets because you know never there could be another one. Yeah, and uh, then obviously the cause or causes of death, and then the link so that anyone who transcribes it, be it me or any of the other transcribers, can go back and uh, just click on the link and then find it. And yeah, so that's kind of the process and for researching, uh, but for uploading, it's just. Uh, trying to put all the info up on the website, uh, which usually is the name, the years that they lived, um, uh, where they were. So, for instance, the whole site is searchable. So if I had two John Sullivans, um, if I put in the location, if someone knew, okay, my my relative died in the Glen and Maddie home, and then they could just look for the one that says Glen and Maddie instead of like Bespra or another home. Mm-hmm. So I have the location there. I have the date of death. I have any family info. So if there was a twin or a mother that died in there as well, I could link those two together to show that they're related. Right. Um, now, I don't physically research every one of these infants. I only put any family info, quote unquote, uh, if there was any... Um, relations that had died in the mother and baby home as well so if it was a mother and their child they would be linked if it was two twins they would be linked right. i don't research the families themselves the only that, research a I lot do, <laughs> yeah the only research i tend to do for any sort of birth info is so like if i can if they died before sorry if they were born before at the time of recording 1921 uh in or before 1921 uh i will find their birth entry and i will add it Mm -hmm. so that they know who it is and then i have a button at the end of every page so that um people can click that and it will take them to the entry in the register so that they can see the record for themselves and then what we will be adding over time is transcriptions of these records because some of the penmanship on it is horrible yep like it's sometimes if you don't get it transcribed either or if it's not transcribed or it's transcribed incorrectly that could like ruin a whole search engine like oh totally it's a it's and, a mess and you know there there have been times when i can't find an entry uh for instance you know if you had three the say three uh entries that were relevant and i couldn't find one of them usually it's because it was transcribed wrong so mm-hmm. the search engine doesn't pick it up uh, for example, there was one uh, boy I was looking up, trying to find the entry for because I didn't link it. Uh, mm-hmm. I forgot to. And the boy's name was Dominic. Mm-hmm. And the I kept typing in Dominic and I couldn't uh, find it. And I thought, well, there isn't any other versions of Dominic. So there must be something with the surname. So I kept trying the different versions of the surname and that wasn't working. So I just lopped off the first name and entered in the last name because it seems to be a fairly rare surname mm-hmm. and this first it was a problem with the first name the first name was transcribed as domineo oh no domineo yeah it's so, not even close <laughs> no so 
it was spelt Dominic, but instead of a C, it was an O. Right. So uh, that because it was transcribed wrong, I couldn't find it. So kind of uh, persistence is key. Right. Um, I've had something like that happen where I had an auntie. Her name is Zena, like D-E-N-A. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, they transcribed her census record as Lena because they thought the Z was an oh. L. So they wrote it as Lena. So I kept missing out on the census record because oh. I couldn't find her. And I was like, oh, it's this is it. This They just put Lane it was an L. Blame the transcription. Yes. Uh. I was like, thanks for that, I guess. that was, uh, But it was fine. That happens. So that actually leads me to my next question, which is perfect. Uh, so I know uh, you're working on this Project Infant, but what can we do to help? And are you looking for volunteers, either for trans? Transcribing or for researchers? Yes. So, kind of, uh, if you're not necessarily interested in, uh, and I've gone into this on the TikTok account for Project Infant, uh, which is just, which is just at Project Infant. But kind of one of the things I have is a TikTok on how you can help. So, kind of, if you don't necessarily want to uh, research or transcribe any shares, be it a repost on TikTok. We are also on Twitter and Facebook and Mastodon. I'm working on Mastodon, so give me a bit there. But kind of, uh, if you share our posts on Facebook and Twitter, that helps as well, mm-hmm. uh, and TikTok. So you know, the more exposure we can get to try and you know get this project out, and I will be kind of doing like little you know uh, deep dives into so like the homes eventually, so like into the backstory, you know, kind of saying you know this home started in blah blah blah. It was managed by this religious order and kind of just give a bit of backstory on each one right. and just to try and um give people a bit more information on each home and that sort of thing um but as for if you wanted to volunteer though um anyone is more than welcome to um so i have two they obviously volunteer roles so unfortunately not paid i, I wish <laughs> um but kind of um the so you can either be a researcher so you can either help me kind of research the names of these infants using the Irish genealogy site or you could uh, be a transcriber so uh if you want if you're great looking at old handwriting um and you <laughs> and you want to have a go at looking at some of the sometimes horrible uh penmanship on the returns and that's also much appreciated mm-hmm. um if you're researching expertise in um uh Irish genealogy does help, but if you aren't if you aren't familiar with Irish re- re- Irish re- research, that is totally okay. Because you can uh if you are interested, let me know and I can easily uh set up a Zoom or set up a call just to go through kind of the basics of how it works and <laughs> just to help you get on the track of being able to help out. So right. I'm more than happy to do that if it means I can um, spread the load and um, work on other things. We're probably going to be researching or uh, drafting up reports and uh, setting up the website or something else. So, yeah, if people are interested, they can either message me on any of the social networks I mentioned earlier, or you can email me on daniel at projectinfant.ie and uh that's kind of if you wanted to kind of uh volunteer or if you had any questions for me you can always uh send them away send them my way well perfect well thank you so much for the information well one other thing i wanted to ask you because i know we're both kind of young in genealogy and this is kind of an older person's hobby which is what i'm always told when i tell people i'm into genealogy they're like oh my great great aunt's into genealogy and i'm like okay cool thank you uh so my question for you uh as a fellow young genealogist how do you think uh we could get more young people interested in family history research and just genealogy in general Hmm. this might seem rather controversial but surprisingly you got to go where young people hang out mm-hmm. because if you people like um you know there's so many communities like you've linkedin you facebook reddit twitter instagram um tiktok basically any platform you can shake a stick at there's probably some small community there um twitter and facebook probably are the bigger ones but because tiktok can be so crazy and helpful at times uh you know uh a gen z genealogy discord server uh who are also on tiktok Mm -hmm. um 
a lot shout out of, to them. <laughs> yeah, shout out to them, definitely. And honestly, uh, they've done such a great job in the way that they curate and cultivate their platform because they've used it uh, to attract others because I'm in that server as well. And a lot of the introductions I see, you know, oh, I found this, I found this server from TikTok. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is helpful because it keeps growing that community. And it, it, and the best part is it gives people a sense of I'm not the only young person doing this hobby because uh, I remember when I started out uh, getting into the genealogy community, I started out on Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and surprisingly, it's the one I pay the least attention to now. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel it's that. I feel so like YouTube weird. and Instagram are like on my lower tier of like what I pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. And like i almost did like a, i almost danced a little jig whenever i saw like a little uh whenever i got either a follow or a suggested account that kind of was a young genealogist mm-hmm. and i was thinking oh my god i'm not the only one <laughs> and it was just it was just a case it was hard to believe mm-hmm. and it it was nice because um <laughs> it, it was nice because it made you feel like you weren't alone but i think with tiktok i think that is going to be instrumental in helping younger people getting into geology and learning about it because mm-hmm. you know people say oh well you know tiktok is good for nothing it's just you know random comedy vids it's just yeah. hey, it's a random basket case of stuff but yes it is a random basket case of stuff but in that random basket case of stuff there is genealogy yeah so uh the whole community on there <laughs> yeah totally and like it, you don't have to be making videos to sort of be in the community. Like, you can follow along with people. Like, I probably tend to do more following than I do creating because, mm-hmm. <laughs> as uh, oh, I just find it hard sometimes. But, um, I mean, personally, I think that, um, I think that TikTok and Discord may be Reddit. I'm probably going to be corrected and told that it is great. Stop knocking it. Um, but I think probably Reddit, TikTok and Discord are probably going to be the instrumental ones in getting young genealogists. But it's also a case of one thing I have seen from societies in particular. Um, it's been the case of, oh, young genealogists aren't interested. We haven't seen any. Well, what have you tried? Yeah. Have you tried, you know, setting up on platforms that they use? Oh, no, we just only use a Facebook group, a website, and an email. Yeah, kids don't kids don't use that stuff anymore. I, well, middle, I, I use email, but then again, I'm old-fashioned. I use email sometimes, but, like, Facebook, like, I'm, I'm a middle school math teacher, and my kids, like, none of them use Facebook. None of them have Facebooks. Like, they don't even know, like, they know what it is, but they're just like, my mom uses it, and that's it. Like, these kids do not use <laughs> am Facebook. Am I old? Yeah, no. I know. I'm, I use Facebook. I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I not actually, like, because I'm on the cusp of, like, millennial and Gen Z because I'm 27. So, like, I'm like, am I... Am I actually a millennial? Do I use Facebook? What is happening? So yeah, these kids, they are, they really cycle around like uh, TikTok, uh, sometimes Instagram, uh, Reddit and Discord. They really like kind of hone in on those sites. And if those genealogy communities aren't really expanding out to those sites, you're not going to reach the young genealogists. Yeah, so I agree with that. And like another thing I've always said is that Discord could be I think Discord would be perfect for societies to use because mm-hmm. you could do so many things inside a server. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. it's just a case of the fact that you, they just need to take a leap and go for it. Because, um, like, I mean, I still see some societies that, um, first of all, they don't, they have very limited social media presence. So mm-hmm. the only you'd really have to hope that the Google algorithm or any search engine is on your side right. uh, to help find your website. And also it's a case of engagement as well, because if you don't engage with people, like I try and engage with people via Twitter, Facebook, whatever I'm on, I try and engage with people and just like strike up a conversation. And if people just like churn out uh, content and expect, oh, we're going to go famous now, we're going to be famous now, we're going to go viral Mm-hmm. and yet you don't kind of like other people's videos you don't kind of i'm talking about this from a tiktok point of view you don't kind of like comment kind of i always say even if it's just a case of if you read someone's blog post and you, and you go like bro, oh, that was really nice and then you just flick on 
the least you could do is say to them, you know, oh, great blog post, so that they feel like they're being listened to. Because yeah. if it's little things like that. People think it's going to be some gargantuan task yeah. to try and connect, but it's really a, a series of little things that make uh, the community. And honestly, I wish I was better at TikTok because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm slowly getting better at it, but uh, I think I need to catch up on my trends. Oh yeah, uh, I seem to be about a <laughs> couple of months behind each one. Yeah, TikTok um, trends are there. It's fast moving. You gotta, you gotta yeah. be on top of it. <laughs> Kids' attention spans are very short. Like a meme that you give them that's from last week. They're like, "That's an old meme. Move on. Go on to the next one." Oh yeah, uh, you gotta be on top of it. But no, I, I I'd say that's kind of I'd say it's kind of utilizing the platforms that young people use is mm-hmm. going to be how you do it because if you use platforms that they don't necessarily use, you might get far. Yeah, you're not gonna like Facebook. Kids don't use Facebook anymore. Like, there's a lot of ki- there's a so many genealogy communities and societies and pages on Facebook, but the kids aren't there. So it's. I remember I remember when I made Genealogy Explorer back in 2020, there there was a very limited genealogy presence on the on the on the TikTok site. And uh, slowly it's been growing. And I was like, okay, this is actually picking up a bit, like with Gen Z genealogy and uh, like you and then so many other people that I've starting to connect with. So uh, I'm seeing a community being built on TikTok. Uh, but you know, we just gotta get the kids involved, which leads me to my next question. Uh, what would what kind of advice would you give uh to a young person who was wanting to start genealogy? Don't sweat it. And what I mean by that is don't get your mind and brain, your conscience in a twist over how to source. Mm-hmm. Focus on compiling the data first. I know that seems like a backwards thing, but I, I think kind of one thing that could be now, while I'm sure it's not intended to be kind of, you know, like you're forcing it on them, but kind of, you know, you're kind of saying, well, you have to do this, this and this and this if you want to be a good researcher. There is no, I don't think there is a one particular way that someone can become a good genealogist because you can become a good genealogist in a week, two weeks, a day, an hour. Right. Um, You know, it's a it's a time-consuming thing, but it's a case of you fit it around your schedule and don't let it fit around you. Of course, you know uh, that might be hard to say when you're tra- when you're chasing an ancestor's tail and you're kind of going to come here. Right? <laughs> I just need to ask you a question, but no, honestly, don't sweat the small stuff. Like you're starting out, I wouldn't ever expect anyone to know how to, you know. Because I don't really source stuff myself. I don't go via some form of standards or stuff like that. I make notes in other formats of kind of sources that I used or where I found something. And, uh, oh, yeah, another tip I do is uh, save records. Be just put, make a a folder and just stick everything in it. Uh, Because you never know when the rights to for a site to have access to something may change and that is no longer available because uh, I think it's happened to me once where I uh, actually it happened when I was using Irish genealogy because I was helping a friend with her family history and I was trying to find the marriage which I found at the time but when I went revisiting uh, it with a relative of that friend um, I couldn't find it the marriage certificate seemed to disappear off the face of the earth. And I can remember it. I can remember looking at the certificate, but it wasn't there. So, right. so save, save everything. It. Save, save everything. everything. <laughs> if you don't heck, make a folder that just says maybe question mark, if you can. Uh, and just <laughs> so like, you know, even if it's just a case of, you know, look at it later or something, you know, just put everything into a folder and sort it out later. Yeah. Skill and knowledge will come with time. It is not an instant thing. You cannot learn everything there is to know in two weeks. Heck, I'm still going five years later and I don't know everything about Irish genealogy. There's so much I haven't delved into. So, you know, don't be overwhelmed in a <laughs> rounded up kind of way. Mm-hmm. 
So perfect. Thank you so much for the advice. I know some young genealogists that get really overwhelmed uh, by just the, the, just genealogy in general seems like a very big thing. And some young people get very overwhelmed with it and they're like, how, how do I even start? So it's always good to hear from someone who's done it for five years, you know, or done it for even like if just whoever's done it at all, just some advice would be helpful for, yeah. for people who wanted to start. So uh, awesome. Thank you so much. So again, I want you to thank you so much for coming on here and just talking with us and talking with me and then having everyone listening. And I'm excited about Project Infant. I'm wishing you the best. Uh, if you could, could you let us know where we could find you on social media and what the website is for Project Infant? You can find all my links on my link tree type website at danielloftus.carrd.co. And everything will be there. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I'm super, super excited for Project Infant to get off the ground and like get started. I hope you get some some followers and some volunteers from our episode. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, This is Daniel Loftus. Uh, If you are wanting to follow him, you know where to find him. Uh, I'm Genealogy Explorer. If you want to be on the podcast, you can message me on my Instagram at Genealogy Explorer, or you can email me uh, genealogyexplorerpodcast at gmail.com. Or you could also email genealogywithmegan at gmail.com. I will answer either of those. Uh, I appreciate you all listening and have a good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.